me. What do you mean you don't like Madonna? Oh, I love that song. I saw that band live. <laughs> Penrith doesn't know what's hit them this morning. Mates! Nobody puts Wayne Sunks in a corner. Anyone else need a coffee? Oh, the alarm went off this morning and I was like, time to head to the studio. The 80s were the best days of my life. Yeah, I'll have my coffee black, no sugar, thanks. It's time to wake up with Wayne on My 88. Welcome to the My 88 podcast. My name is Wayne Sunks. And thanks to all those who listened to our previous two episodes, we were really stoked to find out that we made it into the Aussie podcast charts, which was a a lovely thing to hear indeed. Let us move on to episode three. Earlier this year, we asked our listeners to vote on their top three Aussie songs of the 80s. The results were counted, and on Australia Day, we had our top 88 Aussie songs of the 80s countdown. We had so many different votes with so many different songs all making it onto the countdown. One of the things that I loved was that it wasn't just the usual fare. We had Aussie rock, pop, ballads and soul. Our listeners are varied and their picks showed that. So in this episode, I'm going to go back and look at the top 10 highlighting each of those songs. And as we would, let's start off with... Number 10. It was Olivia Newton-John and Physical. Even though Olivia had hits the year before from the Xanadu album, Physical is seen as revitalising her career. It gave her new pop cred and led the way to her having many more pop hits. Physical hit number one on the US Billboard Hot 100 in November 1981 and stayed there for an amazing 10 weeks, the most of any song in the 80s. It was her fifth US number one, but sadly, it was her final number one there. It also hit one in Belgium, in Canada, New Zealand, Switzerland, and of course here in Australia. It was her fourth number one here, though she did hit number one one more time in the early 90s with the Grease Megamix. The song was produced by John Ferrer and written by Steve Kipner and Terry Shattuck, who had originally intended to offer it to Rod Stewart. Other big songs were written by Steve Kipner, including Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle, oh, I love that song, and Chicago's Hard Habit to Break. The song had also been offered to Tina Turner by her manager Roger Davies, but when Turner declined, Davies gave the song to Newton-John, another of his clients. Steve Luckather of Toto played guitar on the track. The song was not without controversy. A few radio stations in conservative communities, including Salt Lake City in Utah, because who else would it be, refused to play the song because of its veiled sexual content. This just added to the song's popularity. You tell kids they can't listen, they're going to listen. The music video also added to the vibe of the song. Aerobics was just gaining popularity when the song came out and the video jumped on the trend and included some scenes where Olivia leads a cardio routine that the larger gentleman can't handle. Eventually, the bigger guys are replaced by fit, muscular men who ignore Olivia completely and pair off. It was... Very risque for the early 80s, but the video was a huge commercial and critical hit, winning the Grammy for Video of the Year. 
What a great song and a great way to start our top 10. Number 9. I think you'll know this one. It's Men at Work and Down Under. Do you come from a land down under? Believe it or not, Down Under was originally released in 1980 as the B-side to their first single titled Key Punch Operator. It was released as an indie single before the band signed with Columbia Records. The early version has a slightly different tempo and arrangement to the version that we know today. But the version that we know went to number one here in Australia in December 81 and then topped the New Zealand charts in February 82. It topped the Canadian charts in October 82, then in the US it reached number one in January 83. <laughs> that was quite a journey for the song. It eventually sold over 2 million copies in the US alone. It also topped the charts in Denmark, Ireland, Italy, Switzerland and the UK. It also got a new life in Australia in 1983, after Australia won the America's Cup and it became the unofficial theme song for the win, racing up the charts once again. Though the song was not as patriotic as we originally thought, Colin Hay has said this of the song. It's ironic to me that so many people thought that it was about a specific thing, and that really wasn't the intention behind the song. If you listen to Born in the USA, it's a similar song in that there's a lot of nuance missed because people like drinking beer and throwing their arms in the air and feeling nationalistic. It's ultimately a song about celebration, but it's a matter of what you choose to celebrate about a country or a place. White people haven't been in Australia all that long, and it's truly an awesome place. But one of the most interesting and exciting things about the country is what was there before. The true heritage of a country often gets lost in the name of progress and development. There we go. Anyway, it is an iconic song with a very crazy music video that is totally memorable. And any song that mentions Vegemite is A-OK with me. And I've only learnt something new about the song today, which I'm happy to learn as well. Great song and Colin Hay, what a fantastic front man. Good entry. Good vote, everyone. That was number nine. Now, number eight. Real Life with Send Me an Angel. Send me an angel. Send me an angel. Right now. Right now. I was lucky enough to chat to David Sterry from Real Life last year on my Brekkie show. In fact, he was the first 80s star I got to speak to, and he was absolutely lovely. It's probably best if I play part of that interview where he talked about this great song and its much-deserved success. Send Me an Angel was literally massive. Uh, It went to number one in Germany and New Zealand. How did the success of that song make you feel? Oh, oh, when when success happens to anyone, you know, even though the band had been together and playing around the pubs for like nearly three years... Nothing really quite gets you prepared for what happens after you've been on countdown on a Sunday night, you know. And the next morning when you go to the supermarket or the post office or the petrol station, everybody knows who you are and what you do. And um, they and they treat you differently too, you know. People sort of are very nice to you and elevate you in, in, in their status, which is, which is kind of very strange because in yourself you feel that, hey, I haven't changed since last night. I've been the same person all this time and all of a sudden... You know, people think that you're special. 
<laughs> Why do you think people enjoyed the song so much? Uh, I guess kind of good, right song, right time. I mean, it's, when you analyse like the writing of it, there's hooks everywhere. You know, a hook in the song is a bit you kind of can't forget. So it starts with that unforgettable keyboard line. And uh, somebody once pointed out that the first lyric is me asking a question. And that works with the listener as well. Plus, you know, when it gets to the chorus, it's got a great link into the chorus. And there's a, just a pause before the chorus. And the melody and everything, it's, it's just a really well put together song. It's, it's very well written, if I do say so. Well, you know what? I will agree with you 100%. <laughs> it's such a Thank catchy you, yeah. it's, it's a catchy song. You know, like still all these it years is. later I hear it and I want to get up and dance and sing along. Yeah, yeah. It's, I remember, you know, not knowing whether it, how well it would do or not, but I remember playing it over and over again to my friends on a cassette, the demo of it, and uh, I just thought it was so special, and I, I kind of thought, oh, if this gets on radio, boy, I think, I think it'd be okay. That was David Sterry from Real Life, chatting about our number eight song, Send Me an Angel. Now let's move on to the next one. Number seven. It is Cold Chisel with Flame Trees. And oh, the flame trees The career of Cold Chisel, as well as Jimmy Barnes and even Ian Moss, has been legendary. And when you look at all the albums and all the songs made, there is so much quality to choose from. Looking at that rich catalogue at work, for me, Flame Trees is my favourite song. So well done to our very astute listeners who picked my favourite. Thank you. Not that it is about me. This song is pure poetry with some lovely melancholic lyrics that is not often found in Aussie pub rock. It was written by drummer Steve Presswich and keyboardist Don Walker. It did only reach 26 on the Aussie charts, but we certainly remember it more than its chart position. Walker's inspiration for the lyrics was a combination of his memories of Grafton, where he'd grown up, and of his romantic dreams. The music had already been written on a bass by Presswich, Walker liked the music so much that he requested to write some lyrics for the piece, to which Presswitz reluctantly agreed. Walker noted, When I received it with no words, I could tell it had an emotional profile. It gathers up the threads. Presswitz said, When I heard Don's lyrics, I told him, Mate, I don't know if they're right for the music. I've grown used to them now. Walker later said, I don't think it was the story he was expecting. He wasn't overjoyed when he heard the lyrics. Walker also later said, In my mind, it's a northern New South Wales song. But there's a lot of people who love that song, and in their minds, it's set in their hometowns. A lot of people finish up away from where they come from. Elsewhere, Walker has noted that the song was not fiction and about returning home after some success in the big city. For me personally, I've always loved and appreciated these lyrics, even though I did grow up in the heart of Sydney. I wrote a play a number of years ago called Flame Trees. It was uh, a different theme, though, different from the song. It was about a woman returning to her small country town after being imprisoned for starting a fire that killed her best friend. It was a success for me and played at Theatre Works in Melbourne and the Depot Theatre in Sydney. Good music inspires, and that's what Flame Trees does. It's a classic Aussie tune. Number six. It's the Choir Boys and Run to Paradise. I 
I will admit that Run to Paradise making the number six spot was a surprise to me, but not a disappointment. I'll admit that I am a massive pop music fan, but there's just something I've always loved about this pub rock anthem from Sydney's Choir Boys. In 1983, after one of their demos was sent to Albert Productions record producer George Young, ex-Easy Beats, an older brother of Angus and Malcolm Young of ACDC, that is some pedigree, they signed to Albert Records. They toured as support to the Angels and Rose Tattoo, and then Cold Chisel invited Choir Boys to support them on their Last Stand tour. However, in November, Mark Gable's vocal cords had ruptured and they were unable to join that tour. They spent 1984 and 1985 in hiatus, waiting for him to recover. Choir Boys then signed with Mushroom Records and released Fireworks in May 1986. They also opened for Deep Purple on their tour of Australia. Brad Carr left the group to be replaced on lead guitar by Brett Williams, as they supported Bon Jovi's tour in 1987. They recorded their second album, Big Bad Noise, with producers Peter Blyton, who worked with the Radiators and Machinations, and Brian McGee, who worked with the Rolling Stones and Cindy Lauper. The next single, Run to Paradise, was their biggest success. It has stood the test of time and is loved by so many even today. With Gable's strong vocals and the driving beat, it is a true Aussie classic. Number five. It's Kylie Minogue and Locomotion. There are few more iconic artists than Kylie Minogue. In fact, in this countdown, she had the second most entries with six, this being the highest ranking song. And there is such a big connection between Australia, Kylie and this song, her debut single in 1987. We all know the story. She was on Neighbours playing Charlene and was everyone's favourite character, mine included. Her character's marriage to Scott, played by then-real-life boyfriend Jason Donovan, is one of the biggest ever moments in Aussie TV. After an impromptu performance of the song at an Aussie Rules charity event with some of the cast of Neighbours, Kylie signed a record deal with Mushroom Records to release the song as a single. It raced to number one. In fact, it was the highest-selling song in Australia in 1987. That's not just by an Aussie artist, that's by any artist. The success of the song resulted in Kylie signing a record deal with PLW Records in London and working with the successful team of Stock, Aiken and Waterman. On July 28, 1988, a re-recorded version produced by Stock, Aiken and Waterman was released worldwide with the title The Locomotion. This release, also a major success, reached the top five in Canada, the United Kingdom and did very well in the United States. The music video for Locomotion was directed by Chris Langman and filmed at Essendon Airport and the ABC Studios in Melbourne. It featured TV star Tanya Lacey, something that did excite me as a child. We then know the rest. She went on to international stardom and is still having number one albums to this day. She is the highest selling female Australian artist of all time, having sold over 80 million records worldwide. Her accolades include a Grammy Award, three Brits and 17 Aria Music Awards. She is an icon. Number four. Twist of Fate by Olivia Newton-John. It's 
was only one artist to have two songs in the top 10, and it was Olivia Newton-John. She also had five songs over the top 88. It's not a surprise, really. We have a very strong fan base on Twitter, filled with overseas listeners, and they love Olivia, one of our best ever exports. The song is the theme song for the film Two of a Kind, a romantic fantasy comedy film that saw Olivia reunite with her Grease co-star John Travolta. It sadly did not have the same success as the musical, though the song was a big success. It reached four here in Australia and in Canada as well, and it got to five in the US, her final appearance in the US Top 10 charts. Strangely, it only hit 57 in the UK. That feels a little hateful. Sorry, UK. The song came about when Steve Kipner, who had written Physical for Olivia, received a phone call from her manager, Roger Davies. They wanted an upbeat song for the film, and Steve played this over the phone, with Roger loving it. Steve and the other writer, Peter Beckett, finished the demo with lyrics tailored to fit with the film. Now here's some trivia. The intern working at the recording studio when it was made was none other than Richard Marks. The music video was nominated for Best Video Short Form at the 27th Annual Grammy Awards, but lost to David Bowie's Jazzin' for Blue Jeans. For me, it was probably the biggest surprise making the top 10, but I'm glad it did because I'm a really big fan of the song, and I feel like I forgot about it a little bit until I started working at my 88, so I really love that we get to celebrate it now. Number three. Great Southern Land by Icehouse. Great Southern Land is another classically Australian tune that has certainly stood the test of time. And that is partially what this countdown is about. We're voting for these songs many years after they were made. Some songs that were popular in the 80s seems like they should be left in the past, while others demand our attention still for just being some of the best songs ever created. This was the first single from Icehouse's second album, Primitive Man, which frontman Ivor Davies had mostly recorded as a solo project. It was co-produced with Keith Forsey, who had worked with Giorgio Moroder and later worked with Simple Minds. The album was a success, and it was the tour for the album which saw the band reunite. The song did very well here, in the greats of the land itself, reaching 5 in Australia, 10 in New Zealand, and also hit 83 in the UK. The song had a second life when it was featured in the 1988 Yahoo! series film Young Einstein, which really was a great showcase for Aussie music. There are two versions of the music video. The Australian original version was filmed at the disused Jones Quarry in Warunga in 1982, with the solarised clips of the band in daylight and surrounded by campfires at night. The USA version was made in 1989 for the movie Young Einstein, and it has Ivor Davies walking around Myall Lakes National Park. In November 2014, the song was selected for inclusion on the Australian National Film and Sound Archive's Sounds of Australia list. Icehouse went on to have so much more success. Their Man of Colours album is truly brilliant and had a number of its songs make this countdown. But for Aussies, we really do love Great Southern Land. Number two. Never Tear Us Apart by In Excess. I, I was standing You were there To 
world united And they could never tear us apart In Excess had the most entries into our top 88 Aussie songs of the 80s countdown with seven And rightly so And to be honest, if we did have the top 100, they would have had even more. They just had so many great songs and are one of Australia's best ever exports. It does seem crazy that such an iconic band only had one number one single here in Australia, which was Original Sin. And they only had one number one US single, which was Need You Tonight. I think it's also interesting that the song that ranked highest here for them, Never Tear Us Apart, was one of their worst performing singles from the Kick album. The first three singles, Need You Tonight, Devil Inside and New Sensation were all top tenors and Never Tear Us Apart only hit 14 in Australia. It got to 7 in the US and strangely only 24 in the UK. It was re-released in 2014 and then got to 11, still missing the top 10. Here's a possible solution. It was the fourth single and the album sold so many copies. Probably the people who would have bought the single already had the album. And what a song it is. It probably would be up there as one of my favourite In Excess songs. What a triumph in Aussie music. It was written in the tempo of a modern Viennese waltz, layered with synthesizers, and contains dramatic pauses before the instrumental breaks. Kirk Pengelly leads a saxophone solo near the end that is just spectacular. Then there's those poignant lyrics written by Hutchins that elicit so much yearning. And Michael Hutchins' vocals are pure beauty. What an amazing track. The video for the song, featuring an extended intro, was filmed in various locations in Prague, along with Guns in the Sky and New Sensation, all directed by Richard Lowenstein. I think another reason this song is loved so much is because what it meant to the band. After Hutchins' death in 1997, his coffin was carried out of St. Andrew's Cathedral by the remaining members of In Excess and his younger brother Rhett as Never Tear Us Apart was played in the background. A very beautiful moment. Great pick, listeners. This song is pure beauty. It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Number one. The number one song from our top 88 Aussie songs of the 80s, as voted by our listeners, was John Farnham with You're the Voice. There really could only be one, and it did win by a long way. You're the Voice was one of the biggest hits of 1986 in Australia, topping the singles charts for seven weeks. At the ARIA Music Awards of 1987, it won Single of the Year. It also hit number one in Germany and Sweden, and reached the top ten in Austria, Ireland, Switzerland and the UK. Although You're the Voice was also successful in Canada, reaching the top 20, in the US the track performed relatively poorly, missing the chart on its initial 1987 issue and only hitting 82 in 1990. It was written, though, by a team of British songwriters led by Chris Thompson, who was the lead singer in Manfred Mann's Earth Band. 
The song was inspired by a protest march for nuclear disarmament that took place in London's Hyde Park on October 25, 1985, the day they started writing the song. Chris Thompson sang the demo version of You're the Voice and planned to record it for a solo album he was working on it. But his publisher talked him out of it, telling Thompson that protest songs were old news. The demo made its way to Australia, where John Farnham heard the song. Chris Thompson only knew Farnham from his 1967 novelty song, Sadie the Cleaning Lady, and wanted him nowhere near You're the Voice. He had to be convinced that Farnham was now a legitimate singer and could do the song justice. And justice he did. Betty was happy he ended up letting him do the song. The song contains one of the most famous bagpipe solos ever recorded. Can you name any other bagpipe solos? This certainly is up there. It was played by a group of four pipers. The original demo didn't have bagpipes, but Farnham thought that they could be a good fit. He was a big fan of ACDC and loved their song, It's a Long Way to the Top If You Want to Rock and Roll. That was a rare song with bagpipes, and it inspired him to use the instruments on You're the Voice. So that was our top 10 from our top 88 Aussie songs of the 80s, as voted by our listeners. Next episode, I'm going to have my full interview with the Bop Girl herself, Pat Wilson. We are now a complete internet station, so please listen on iHeart, through our website, or on our app. And please remember to share this with your friends, rate and review, and I look forward to catching you next time. This is my 88. Tongue's out.